Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. All right, and we're back once again with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. And, you know, we talked so much over the past month and a half or so about, you know, the decade that was and, and so much went down in pop culture. But we need to look ahead. It's 2020. It's right upon us. And we need to look ahead in the world of pop culture because pop culture is, you know, it just became such a big thing in the last decade, and it's going to be even bigger in this one. And here to talk with me about what he hopes, and also hopefully what I hope as well for the future of pop culture, is a good man indeed. He is one of the most knowledgeable persons out there when it comes to pop culture. He's a pop culture icon. Okay, I like that. I like the pop culture icon. How Wait, there's somebody else on the show? Who's this person? There you go. There you go. Um, he is, you know, you got to catch his awesome show, the Jock and Nerd Podcast. It's everywhere. It's available everywhere you get your podcast. It's available everywhere. You can go ahead and you can just check it out. He, It's all over social media. It's all over as far as where you get your podcast. It's an excellent show. It's full of laughter, fun, pop culture, sports talk, whatever you want to deal with. It's right there for you. It is definitely great to have him on the show. Finally, it's the long overdue. It is Imran Javed. And Imran, I'm just so happy and just ecstatic that you're finally on the program. Dude, I'm glad we can finally connect. Uh, like, I hear you on Voice from the Underground all the time. I see you in all the Facebook groups. Uh, Jason Dutch always uh, speaks highly of you. And that was a crazy intro. Thank you. I thought you were talking about uh, another person you had on the show. But that's me. Hi, guys. What's exactly. up? Well, you know, I've listened to your show many times and your knowledge of pop culture, you know, it surpasses mine. But I know I get talked about as you know the guy, oh, it's the pop culture guy. That's the pop culture guy. You know, if I'm the pop culture guy, you got to call, we got to call you the pop culture guru. How about that? Like this is what happens when you have a sad childhood that's shaped by television and comic books. Exactly. Uh, you, you just, I have my brain is full of useless knowledge. And with someday it'll pay off. But someday, and someday it did with... And I'll tell you what, it, with a side dish of the arcade for me as well. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Very important place. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I miss arcades. But yeah, yeah they don't really, uh, they don't have many of those left anymore. Gone the way of uh, blockbusters and uh, drive-in movies. It's kind of sad. Exactly. But it's just so hard to keep them, you know, the, to afford space and to afford what they do. Now you got to throw a gimmick in there. Like it's got to be a bar or it's got to be, it's got something else got to be attached to it for an arcade. Dave and Buster's is great, but this game, you're going to charge me $5 for a video game. Get out of here. I, exactly. not, I'm not playing this. Yeah. I'll give me the quarter, the quarter games and the nickel games again. I'm going to line them up right there. Yeah. Right there along there. Yeah, exactly. I got next. I got next. But it is indeed so great to talk to you here about the future of pop culture. And, you know, we just said we're going to, I said before the program, we're just going to be a free flowing conversation about where you want to take it because, you know, the decades, it, you know, it's just starting, it's fresh. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, where you want to go first in the decade ahead as far as what you hope for in the realm of pop culture. Uh, I, I jotted down a couple of things, a couple of fun things that I find fascinating, very interesting. And yeah, we had a crazy decade. Like this is, we are at peak 
geek culture, possibly the bubble on the verge of bursting. Is it getting thin? Are the edges getting thin? I don't know. I think I don't think so. Uh, this past decade, something that's fascinated me that I think will continue is uh, the streaming wars that has broken out and the way how people watch TV programming is just completely changed uh, drastically. You know, Netflix goes from being the Hollywood disruptor to now being threatened and disrupted all in a decade. It's a crazy switcheroo. And I think we are right in the middle. You know, this year we had Apple TV Plus and Disney Plus release, two, two huge ones, obviously two of the biggest generating billion-dollar, trillion-dollar companies ever. But there's more coming. There's Peacock, which is probably the worst named out of all these, NBC. That's why one of the uh, programs in the tiers is actually going to be free because they're really going to be trying to be desperate to get you involved in it. I mean, the jokes write themselves right there, people. Come on. So the names haven't been getting better, but I think what's going to happen, and I've been predicting this, is that this thing goes completely circular, as many trends do, and streaming TV becomes like cable bundled packaging again. And we're right back to the beginning. We we're like, okay, if I pay for this, I get all these things. I got to pay for this. I will get all these things. Because you right now, you can't single subscribe to all these things. It costs just as much as, if not more, than standard cable as it is. Exactly. And uh, I'm actually, if I get a chance to, at CES coming up you know, here in a little bit, if I get a chance to go ahead and check out Queeby, I know that's something I've also talked about on my show. I've heard Before. about that. That's like the short form that's got high talent, but they're going for like 15 minute. Uh, uh, eight to 15 minutes. Eight yeah, 15 very, minutes. very. Yeah, it could hmm. be. It's it like, it, let's say, let's take a 30 minute program. Normally what you would see on TV or an hour program and put it in eight minute bites. So that's something yeah. that's that's intriguing. Yeah. It's supposed to be targeting the millennials, not us, but the yeah. millennials. So. Yeah. But this is what I love about this technology, what the potential for this, because you don't, you know, the Mandalorian is showing us they're like 30 to 50 minute episodes. You it doesn't need to be a set length. It's just like podcasts. They need to be as long as they need to be. So I think the more people experiment with this, I think it's going to be really interesting if someone has a season where maybe there's there's like a 10 minute episode, but there's also like 40, 50 minute episodes. Maybe there's like a lot. And it's all the one season. Uh, I think that the uh, the potential for that is going to be great in the future. I hope so. And, and you know, with like you said, with Mandalorian, that's something from time to time, episode to episode, sometimes the 40 minutes for me works. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Like I know the monumentally bashed Tatooine episode. I know a lot of people are just like, ah, that one, you know, it's not good for, for the series. But overall, it's been a great experience. And Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda, you know, this is the way I have spoken and all that. So yeah. it's just been a great time to watch that. But again, you hit it right on the head with the future of what's going on in pop culture lies heavily in this next decade with the streaming technologies. And I guess I will start there with the streaming technologies. And you spoke of some. If you're laying bets, and I'm here in Vegas where we lay a lot of bets, if you're in, in Vegas or you're, you know, actually you can pretty much bet anywhere in the United States, but what streaming entities are you relying most on? Or are you going to be talking about most over the course of the next decade? Do you think in your opinion? Wow. Well, you know, Disney plus is promising a lot and uh, they know how to do this right. Uh, and they have, they are gutting for Netflix. I think Netflix may be okay. You know, the, the one thing they have is they have a huge head start on subscribers. They've got like 158 million subscribers. Exactly. That's going to yep. take a while. And they're international. And Disney still, it's it's going to roll out international later. It's not everywhere. 
But of course, Baby Yoda is spoiled for the world. So sorry, Europe and UK, if you don't have it, uh, you should have just, uh, I don't know, moved over here. It's um, just if they could get that consistent programming beyond yes, the Mandalorian. Yes. But their the nostalgia play with Disney is so heavy and they're so brilliant at it. Is uh, people are eating this up regardless. Like they don't care if there's these stuff. So Netflix really has to. And I think Netflix started with The Irishman, showed us like probably like that's probably the highest profile release they've had with the best talent. Now, if they could bring more stuff like that, that's going to be interesting. That would keep me paying for the Netflix. Six Underground with Ryan Reynolds and Michael Bay. Well, that's maybe not the best example. It was fun, but I mean, I mean but as far as big name talent is <laughs> yes, concerned. I, yes. And yeah. if any place is going to be like Michael Bay, here's $150 million. Make the Michael Bayest movie you want. We hey, don't care. Hey, that's exactly what I said. I said it was Michael Bay to the 10th degree, and that's what Netflix wanted him to do. And you're either going to think it's a great popcorn flick or it's yeah. a fun popcorn flick, or you're going to get a headache. It's just that simple. It's just. It is. It is great. And there's some crazy stuff. I mean, it's so it's it's not great, but it's fun to watch. And you're just like, oh, my God, did they just do that? All right. Whatever. Don't think about it too much and enjoy. But the thing is, in social media that weekend, it garnered so much interest. People want a sequel. People are clamoring for it. So even though it's not one of the critically acclaimed releases, like you said, with, uh, you know, the Irishman, the two popes. Marriage Story, Dolomite is my name. That's a great those, movie. Yeah, those those four have really garnered a lot of buzz for Netflix. It's still something that it's like a palate cleanser, and it's for the people that maybe don't want to see those critically acclaimed movies. You know, because it's just like going to the movies in the old days. Yeah, you, know, you had your yeah your, during this time of the year, like you have now all the movies that are vying for those the coveted uh, Oscars, and then you have the other movies like Jumanji and whatnot yeah, yeah. that that are not going for that so that's you, a good point they just normalized like you forget that these movies like six underground my name's dolomite would have run in theaters but i think more people get a chance now because of what the franchises have done but look looking forward do not underestimate hbo max warner brothers has a huge catalog and you know you've heard about these overall deals with showrunners like netflix and ryan murphy and shonda rhimes jj abrams warner brothers you know amazon paying 250 million dollars for lord of the rings just to make the show, not even the cost of the show. I think these are all going to come into play and you see what like the Game of Thrones guys can bring to Netflix uh, and what new IPs created by these huge, talented showrunners. That's very exciting. It is very exciting. And I know I've spoken to individuals in the industry before that were concerned about the, the death of studios or the dying of studios and whatnot. But I see more studios. In fact, I was seeing a poll the other day or a chart the other day that says right now Netflix is creating more original content than what was being created in Hollywood some 15 years ago. Wow. To give you an idea of that. Wow. So, so, I mean, and that's just Netflix alone. So you're not counting all the other individual entities or groups that are out there. So I think at this point in time, the streaming industry does have a bright future. Although I think halfway through, we're gonna see. We're gonna start seeing some casualties. Yep, yep. And I don't know which ones they will be per se, because a lot of them are backed by high end, like you know, whether it's NBC, Universal, Viacom, you know, Netflix, Amazon, Apple, you name it. But one of these, or two of these, or even more of these individual companies, these streaming markets, are gonna say, you know what? Maybe this isn't the investment we wanted to go ahead and continue with. 
they'll be consolidated and swall- swallowed up by other companies and because it's all about your your catalog man that's why i don't know what apple tv plus is doing i don't really understand that was the most confusing lackluster or anything of any kind of release i've ever seen and this is from apple it's not it's, well it's not they've done something like this before it's just when you come out half-hearted yeah. they've done stuff like this before yeah that when they really want to get behind something they're virtually better than anyone else on the planet because they have almost any more funding than anyone else on the planet but when you have like you said a half-hearted attempt like what they produce with apple plus and outside of m night Shyamalan's new series they've really not brought anything else new that's been really mentioned that's that to me is it's disappointing for all those Apple Plus owners out there. But look, if you buy a phone, you get it free for a year. So, you know, what do they care? <laughs> they sold you a phone. They don't care. It might not be up for a year. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. But leading into somewhere else, into another direction for yes. pop culture, you well, have something else you want to talk yes, about? Yes, I do. This is uh, near and dear to my heart. You know, on our show, the Jock and Nerd podcast, we specifically talk about comic book and superhero TV and movies and pop culture. And uh, just looking at the war between the MCU, Marvel, and DC Warner Brothers movies leading into the future, what a decade it's been for Marvel. Of course, undoubtedly. No one would doubt that. Uh, but I, And we love the Marvel movies. We love the Marvel Universe. But it's almost gotten to a place where you could say you kind of know what you're going to get. You know, they've announced four movies a year for the next three years. That's 12 movies in three years, people. That's a lot of movies. And, you know, Faiji's saying with the Eternals, every movie is going to change everything you know. And you kind of have to say that with every movie. Now, DC, on the other hand, very interesting how they have ended this decade. They've kind of uh, are starting to hit up. They're trying. They're They're catching up. They're starting to fix the train wreck. They've had hits with Shazam. Two billion dollar movies very quickly with Aquaman and the Joker and the Joker being R-rated, them taking that risk and it paying off way better than they expected. I think they just announced the Birds of Prey Margot Robbie's movie will also be R-rated. Um, and this is the one thing they can do that Marvel cannot is put out an R-rated superhero movie yet, unless until they do it. I feel like this is their edge. So, you know, with the success of like Logan and Deadpool, uh, I'm really interested to see where like this adult R-rated comic book movies go and especially what DC, if they're going to do more spinoffs and uh, do more, uh, you know, adult natured stuff like that, that could be, that could be the thing to uh, uh, get, give them their, their spot, you know, just uh, as big as the MCU. You're listening to the pop culture cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? You've heard others. But nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Here, Imran. So if you offend everyone at once, it all it's a wash. I've covered everybody. Anthony. Sorry, I was texting. Say that again. And Rug Boy. Yeah, whenever there's a snowstorm, my slack hole tightens up. As they talk over one another. Just exactly uh, the same Connor as, was as, the as Terminator. We're talking over each other. It's fine. Sorry. Swear and ask you for money. Just give us the money. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. It can't be silly, goofy fun. Uh, Jock and Nerd. And that's the thing I wanted to ask you, because like you exactly hit it right on the head. DC at the tail end of this decade started to get things right. It's something that both your show and my show has repeatedly been, you know, just negative on is the way Warner Brothers and DC handled its business over the course of the past few years. But finally, 
finally they're starting to see the light as far as how to go about doing things in a superhero universe but now you have a tenuous point in time where the tide and momentum can shift yeah. radically i mean marvel as you said it explained all this as far as not only 12 films but integrating the television series within D disney plus as yes. well which yeah. is a very novel idea which is extremely uh, you know intelligent you know on the surface but is it going to pay off and with the names and the movies that are coming out at least in the short term in the front part of the first part of the decade yeah. for marvel some of those are big risks and some of those are you know with the eternals and shang chi you know i personally am excited to see a kung fu movie yes will be on the scale of what it is but again it's a big financial risk also as well the eternals we talked about before i'm sure i know on your show and my show about the eternals and the you know the familiarity of getting people to know the 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 actual the generic audience at large out there how to go ahead and understand what are the eternals i mean it worked for them one time with guardians of the galaxy yep will it work again so there's some big risks that marvel are taking on the front side of the decade whereas dc is going to hit you up with the wonder woman 84 it's going to hit you like you said with the shazam 2 coming up here in the near future black adam even though that's not as familiar it has dwayne the rock johnson behind it there are some more there are more familiar names Obviously, the Batman as well. That's going to be revamped with uh, with Robert Pattinson. So there's there's uh, there's safer bets on the DC side, at least in the short term. So I'm interested to see how it, that affects the long term. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you is how is this going to transition forward into the decade for both Marvel and DC? Uh, that's a good question. And it kind of segues into my next thing that I wanted to look forward to. But um God, you're absolutely right. I feel like DC next year has won the game by just landing the rock. Like, you get the rock on your side, ding, 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 you got points. Uh, but this is where DC movies are at their evolution. It took up these last seven years to figure it out, to finally shake loose everything Zack Snyder was trying to do and figure out what they want to do. Now, what I like that Marvel's doing is, yes, it's risky. They're smaller movies. But my next point was, this is going to sound funny looking at me. But I'm excited to see more brown people in movies and TV. Let me explain myself. I'm actually uh, Pakistani-American born to immigrant parents. Uh, and I, I look, if you're watching the video, yes, I'm completely white. But it's because I have vitiligo. It's a skin disorder that, you know, destroys your melanin. I've had it since I was a kid. So it's confusing. Yes, and it confuses a lot of people. It's a lot of fun to play with. But just like I said, uh, you know, Marvel, uh, Kumail Nanjani, had just got jacked. He's a, he's got a role in Eternals, and I was like, oh my god, look at Kumail! They're doing Miss Marvel on Disney Plus. Do you realize how ecstatic that makes me when I discovered this book? This is about a teenage Muslim American born to Pakistani immigrant parents in high school who gets powers. Now I am also a Pakistani American who was raised in Chicago to immigrant parents, and in high school I wish I had powers. I didn't have any powers, but if I did, I would be Miss Marvel. That's what I tell everyone. I miss Marvel. So to see that on uh, on TV and to get, have kids and, and little girls like look up to that and want to be that. There's another great show, Rami, on Hulu. I don't know if you've seen it uh, about Rami Youssef. He's an Egyptian-American Muslim comic, and it's, the show is phenomenal. So I'm just excited for the. You got Hassan Minhaj. You got uh, a bunch of brown people on TV and movies doing great stuff. That always makes me happy. 
And that's something we saw more of at the latter half of this past decade was representation and more diversity in Hollywood, especially when it comes to the big blockbusters yep. and the old ways of even when I was working in Hollywood in the 90s and you had those old ideals that, oh, a woman or a per person of different ethnicity could go ahead and be a star unless it was a certain type of star. And that to me, those those ideals were just bad then. And now they're fading away. And and the, you see these great pictures like Black Panther, yeah. with all due respect to Terry Gilliam, is an outstanding <laughs> film. That's and, yeah. yeah, Gilliam is just, oh, look, you ask old white guys what they think about the Marvel movies. What do you think they're going to say? Get who's off my lawn. Yeah, who's surprised by this? Exactly. Yeah. Well, just try and make a Brazil, too. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. But anyways. <laughs> um, but, and, know, and in 2020, there's going to be four giant tentpole blockbusters, yeah. superhero movies directed by women. Four of them. That's exactly. a, unbelievable. Like, I was, I'm really so, like, and if those movies make money and they're good, like, this is just, it's a huge shift um, in, in Hollywood and people are getting it. There's, uh, you know, I wanted to see myself represented on screen and now I'm starting to see that and it's amazing. And that's awesome. And that's what I spoke to individuals all across the board in the latter half of this past decade was the fact that, you know, they were identifying more with what was on screen. And for them, it was beautiful to watch. And for them, it was a moment. And that, to me, came across so well to seeing so many positives come out of it. That's what I'm hoping for in this next decade, that we can go ahead and break more barriers and, and go ahead and, and by the end of the decade, get to the point where we're just all superheroes. Yeah. All these, you yeah. know, doesn't matter what background, doesn't matter what, what uh, type of ethnicity or male or female, that they're just superheroes that are there to go ahead and entertain us. And we could go ahead, no matter what uh, type of background they are, we could just go ahead and follow them to the T. And, and if it's a good movie, it's a good movie. And that's, that's, yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. And it's evolving into that when I'm hoping it'll keep evolving further. But by the time the end of the decade hits, who do you think stands on top? Because they, you know we've heard so much rumor, so many rumors about oh the Secret Wars and where does the X Men fit in and where does Fantastic Four fit in for Marvel? Plus with DC, you know Robert Pattinson, he's going to be the Batman for the you know the rest of this decade. And and where does the is the Justice League going to return at some point in time? And how is that DC storyline going to fit in? Where do you think the narrative is going to go as far as who will come out on top by the end of the decade? Just seeing the trends as it's starting right now. Ah, that's a good one, too. What happens? Uh, on the Marvel side, Kevin Feige has now, with the acquisition of Fox, hundreds, even hundreds more new characters to play with. And yes, I think in the next 10 years, we will see the X-Men, we will see Fantastic Four, uh, and they'll probably be spread out. Uh, in, in in you know whether it's bringing in the villain first, like a Doctor Doom, who definitely deserves to be in the MCU. It's like one of the most amazing badass villains they have, and he would be perfect to tie up a lot of things. Uh, so they have. Well, let all, me ask you this: Do you yeah. think he's an Ultron level Avengers baddie, or do you think he is a Thanos level? Whoa, hmm, that is a good question. I think he's more Ultron ish, but that's yeah. just me. I would say somewhere in between. I mean, he's, you know, the fact that he's human uh, maybe gives him an edge over, uh, you know, an AI or an alien. Uh, but, you know, his level of manipulation and 
and just charm and and now and and smarts and knowledge that he could build he's got doom bots so he's like a little bit in the middle he's like maybe if the, if thanos had a bunch of doom bots uh maybe that's what you're gonna get that'd be crazy but getting back i'm sorry i didn't yeah. mean to get on a sidetrack but as far as what goes ahead for the future for both and if you see one coming out on top so like i said marvel's got a lot to play with uh, DC, on the other hand, it's very they've you know they do this thing where they've announced twenty movies. None of them are ever going to get made, maybe, but they're still out there. They just put Flash back on the docket after having seven directors, and but there's a great movie to be made there. I don't understand why it's so difficult. So once they get their head out of their butt and figure out what they're doing, once they get their act together, I think they have a potential of of painting a really nice broad universe to give uh you know something for kids to something for adults and everywhere in between who comes out on top it's so hard you know i want to say marvel just because of their track record and give them another 10 years like what are they going to do to blow us away here's the wild card that i thought of and it was actually another great segue into the last thing i wanted to talk about spider-man's future at the moment completely up in the air right we know he's got a little bit of time left with the mcu and then He's got to go back to Sony. Does he go into these Venom movies? Do they make a spinoff? Does, do, does Sony actually do something right and create an amazing shared universe that overtakes both DC and Marvel? Could that happen? Probably not. But I'm the, you know, the, the uncertainty and the potential for Spider-Man going forward. Now, they may also really screw the pooch and get me mad. Because if you listen to my show, I got a Spider-Man huge thing behind me. One of my favorite ever since I was a kid, you know, when you were talking about we could be them. Heroes can be us. That's why I fell in love with Peter Parker. I was a nerdy kid, and this nerdy kid gets powers. So who can't relate to that? So I think Spider-Man being the wild card is going to be very interesting. Does Kevin Feige renegotiate? Get him back. Do they pull some other stunt and recast him? Does it get rebooted yet again three more times during the next decade? All possible. It's all possible. My money's on the ladder, knowing yeah. Sony. Right. I mean, I mean, just the thing is the characters you talk about, uh, you know, the characters within the Spider-Verse, but you also spoke of some of the characters like Flash, for instance. And yeah. I think it comes down to marketability. That's why Shazam might have not met, even though they're making a sequel, not met the financial uh, windfall that they were hoping for at Warner Brothers DC is do these characters portray themselves as big stars and marketable stars on a platform such as that is flash a someone who can generate three four five six hundred million dollars worldwide i'm not even saying a billion can he Mm -hmm. generate like middle tier middle tier you know worldwide box office it profitable enough to get by and to continue the story will shazam 2 do that and the same thing goes for the spider-verse once you get past the venoms and also as well the sinister six and the spider-man's you know, they've talked about a whole bunch of different characters that I don't think are really people that the, the audience at large wants to see. And while hardcore individuals might want to see it, the, the thing that makes you money is when, you know, the individuals at large that don't follow this on an everyday basis goes and see it. That's when you have a hit. So that's the thing long term is, you know, which properties will stick with audiences and which ones won't. So that's the one thing I am afraid of with Sony, and that's a great point. You know, you're starting to get to the thing where they're making these spinoff movies of these movies without the character in the movie that everyone loves. So are people going to go see like a Silver Sable and Black Hat without Spider-Man 
doubtful at all centers from Spider-Man. So they have to somehow Craven the Hunter movie. Would you watch a Craven the Hunter movie without Spider-Man? Now, here's the thing. I said that about Venom before it came out. And yeah, Venom, not the greatest movie, but they pulled it off surprisingly. But now if Sony can get Spider-Man back and you're going to do Carnage, you're going to do Venom throw spider-man in there also i love my i've also had this idea sony just recast an adult spider-man at a different part of his life and that's the sony spider-man meanwhile you can let uh young tom holland be the teenage spider-man over here it might be a little confusing for for the casual viewer but everybody can have their spider-man and uh, have their spider-man well, it's all in the Spider-Verse, if you know. Yeah, there's uh, multiple Spider-Verses. So I hope uh, D- DC doesn't go crazy and start doing their, like, let's give Lex Luthor an R-rated movie and Sinestro and every major villain, we have Bane an R-rated movie. That's not the, maybe the correct play. You got to look at what made Joker uh, so popular and what largely was the name. So I don't know if they could find another character as big as Joker. Because, again, they pulled it off. They pulled off like a Gotham TV level stunt to put a Joker movie without Batman and to make a billion dollars. They deserved it. It's an amazing movie. It's crazy. It is. And uh, I'm hopeful that Warner Brothers will keep everything on track when it comes to DC. Although I'm not 100% confident like I am with Sony. I'm not 100% confident in their ability either. I, I'm, oh, that's why I was sad with Justice League because the potential of what could have been if the movie had been good or yeah. Zack Snyder's cut, or whatever you want to say. And I was hoping for, like I watched on Saturday mornings when I was a kid, the battles in the Justice League as far as the Hall of Villains for the versus the Hall of Good yep. Yep. and battling back and forth. I was hoping for that at a at a as a cataclysmic event at you know to culminate everything, like let's say around 2023, 24, 25, where you would have that. And unfortunately, we may never get it because of what's going on. Who knows what, what Warner Brothers is going to plan out as far as a consistent timeline, or if they want to, or they're just going to go scattershot like they do because scattershot for them is working right now. The single solo character movies have kind of been the most successful. Uh, you know, they didn't have a plan. There's so many variables. I really want a behind the scenes documentary of like Zack Snyder's DC, like everything from Man of Steel up to making Justice League. The backstory is so interesting and almost more entertaining than the movies especially justice league that backstory that movie. so the, it's it's just it's hard to know what what could have been uh because of so many things his personal tragedy in his life had that not happened what would have happened and henry cavill not taking the role and for mission impossible and had to grow a mustache if they just let him keep the mustache and added a beard there's so many things like they could have fixed it so many ways and yes, yet that's what have. you did. Yes, you could have. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And what uh, is really bad about this is if they have this gold mine in Zack Snyder's vaunted Justice League cut, and the thing is if they keep it on the shelf, or would you do what I would do is you have this little HBO Max thing like you spoke about earlier in the yep, show. Yep, yep. First day, put yep. it right on there. Boom. You've you got people. people- yeah. Yeah, you want people to sign up? You know, they, they've still said that they have no intention of releasing it. Zack Snyder is still posting photos of his Vero account. Uh, some of them quite dubious. We talked about the show. I'm like, is this a Photoshop black costume, Zack Snyder? What are you doing? But like, he's there's film canisters. And he's like, here it is. I'm like, but I'm like, how, how do I know what's in the canister? It's a nice picture, Zack. But you want me to, you want people to sign up? You're absolutely right. 
but you'd have to make you i don't know if i don't think there's a finished movie i think you'd have to put a lot of money in there to finish that movie it just astounds me that warner brothers has the most iconic characters in of history on the planet and they put them in one movie and that's the best you could do like you blew that you how could you blow that this batman and superman wonder woman how can you mess it up that badly? Jeez, Man. Wonder Woman's great now. And yeah, Wonder Woman's great. You know, yeah. Wonder Woman 84 coming up next year. Everybody's excited for Looks it. Fun. Yeah. And I agree with you. I st- I think the safe money is still with Marvel by the end of the decade. But you never know. If DC continues on its path that is going on right now, we could see a shift even more towards the DC side. But for right now, I'm just going to go with you and your advice and your, your wise pop culture knowledge and say i think at the end of the day when it comes down to 2029 and all that we're still going to see marvel and because marvel seems to have something together i mean kevin feige seems to have all this going on where he has a plan and he knows where he wants to take it and he's already mapped out to 2030 and that to me is something that i think dc and warner brothers has not actually come to grips with as of yet do you let me ask you something do you think the bubble is going to burst I mean, that's t- we're talking 10 years, but another 10 years, is there even an MCU anymore? Is the whole thing collapsed? I don't know. I, I think still think there's an MCU. I still think there's a long-term goal because if it ain't broken, don't fix it. You got to keep um, people still interested, though. You got to – you need to well, switch that's what, it that's up why they, enough. Well, that's why they have the X-Men. Yeah. You can, yeah, and, yeah. And we're, we're assuming that the X-Men are going to be good guys and all that. It may not happen at first. It may, yeah. you know, there's sequel wars. There's so many different plot lines from the comic books they could use that could go ahead and and be the basis for something special within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, just like you've mentioned with Spider-Man and also as well with the DC. There's so many things to draw from without having to go and be 100% original and take a risk there. So I think at this point in time, I'd still go ahead and say Marvel at this point in time is where I would lean my money towards. But you're right. They are taking some big risks in the front part of this decade. But again, it could recoup the benefits of that later on in the middle part or as we see what Blade Reborn also as well. Like I said, a new Fantastic Four movie is most likely on the way. How are the X-Men going to be integrated? There's so many other different variables that could be done with Marvel and not not including the Disney Plus shows that they could go ahead and keep integrating with throughout the rest of the decade. So I probably have to say at this point in time, I'm leaning with Marvel for the rest of this day. But is it going to be too much for people? I'm wondering, is interest going to wane? Is, you know, the these franchises have kind of destroyed movie theaters right now. If you look at a movie theater, uh, you can't see anything that's not going to be a blockbuster hit. Is that the same 10 years from now? What do you, What does the movie theater look like? Well, that's true. And that could be a, a point indeed, because the box office overall as far as the marketplace is declining yeah and people are only going out for select events like this past recent in december here with star wars rise of skywalker and they are being more selective about what people want to go ahead and see and we are seeing that so taste could change and as the experience gets more and more expensive to go to the theaters it could get more you know reasonable and more, uh, more people going back to just streaming. You know, I'll wait for it on Blu-ray. I'll wait yeah. for it on DVD. I'll wait for it for streaming or other means by the end of this uh, decade that could happen. I mean, there we're not, we don't even know what's going to happen as far as technology. There could be some advancement, or it could be something like streaming was 
that was in its infancy in the at 2010 that could actually evolve and become something special by the end of this decade that could make it even more viable and also as well make it less viable for people to go to the movie theaters as well so there's a whole bunch of things in there and i think you're right there's also when it comes to the superhero movies people can get burned out we're starting to see it with the star wars franchise yeah and that's something that i want to go ahead into before we we go ahead and and you know, end our conversation today because I want to talk to you at length in regards to Star Wars. You mentioned Kevin Feige, and Kevin Feige is given a lot of credit and deservedly so as far as how he shaped the superhero narrative in the past decade. But coming up in this decade, yes, we're all thinking that Kevin Feige is going to be a major part of that. He may have that mapped out and may hop over to the Star Wars universe because we know he's going to be a producer to one film. Do you think he's going to have to go ahead and get himself more involved with the Star Wars universe after seeing what's gone on with both The Last Jedi and its divisiveness amongst fans, not critics, but fans, and in this case, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, which is divisive with pretty much everybody right now that's seen it? Uh, in my opinion, they absolutely need Kevin Feige's assistance over there. Look, I don't understand how you announce we're making the last three chapters of this beloved 40-year-old franchise, and you didn't have a plan for the three movies? You're making stuff up as you go? This is unacceptable. What are you doing? Kevin Feige, also a Star Wars fan, and I think he is smart enough to know that Star Wars is not Marvel. He can't. You can't do Star Wars tried it. We're going to give you one thing every year. Then Wouldn't it be put, funny, though, if Mace Windu just send it up, you know, at, after screen credits? <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> Bring them all back. I'm bringing a team. I'm getting a team together. <laughs> that's what I but I think that's that's now that we got this Skywalker saga out of the way, it's done. I think they don't need to be hampered by trilogies. I think, you know, give me stuff like Rogue One Mandalorian. That's my flavor of Star Wars that I love. And I think those have been the most successful. Uh, you know, I was surprised that I wasn't the biggest of fans of this new trilogy, but and I can see what they were doing. But man, that's a it's hard the way you you set up that first movie and then reset up in a second movie. You can't finish all that in, in just a third movie. It's impossible. And he tried, and it's kind of a hot mess. So it's done. Let's move on. We got Babu Frick, who I think should dethrone Baby Yoda as the cutest Star Wars thing, because I loved him in the movie. But Faiji is is a smart, and he is a fan. And I think with, you know, he's he has relationships with John Favreau already. Dave Filoni is a very important piece of this puzzle. They've got him in now on the live action side. Dude, just ask Dave Filoni to consult on everything. That guy knows good Star Wars. Everything he's done is feels like Star Wars. So uh, I'm I'm hopeful, despite how this whole thing played out, the fact that they gave us this Mandalorian and Rogue One the way it was, I'm hopeful that like there is, there's still magic in there. And that's, still, what you, yeah. and that's something I want to ask you is that, you, you know, right now the only thing that's been confirmed is that Rian Johnson is still working on something within the Star Wars universe and that Kevin Feige is going to produce something in the Kevin Feige, uh, in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. And that to me is a little bit suspect right there for you because the Game of Thrones writers said, you know, Asta, Asta La Vista and said, yep. you'll see you later. I think there still needs to be more to be done. I still think there needs to be, uh, like you said, fresh eyes on this uh, on the Star Wars universe to create fresh new projects that are out there. I don't see anything coming for as far as for the big screen for another three, four years. And they it, shouldn't be. Just let it rest. Yeah. Disney has, st has clearly stated that that's what they want to go ahead and do. But again, 
it all comes down to a $4 billion investment in yeah. Star Wars, $4 billion investment in Marvel. Right now, they've they've already got everything back from Marvel. Star Wars is still suspect on their investments, so I know they want to go ahead and pay off it at some point in time. So like I said, there's it's going to be a movie, they've said, within maybe, what, three, four, five years at some point in time. But when you see that happening, who do you think it's going to come from? Is it going to come from Rian Johnson, Kevin Feige, or someone else? You know, it's going to be interesting to see how Kevin Feige and Kathleen Kennedy get along because it. I know she's not going to work for him, and he probably doesn't want to work. Like, it's going to have to be two side to side, and if they can make that work, that's going to be a big part of it. It's, you know, she's going to push back on his ideas and I'm sure he'll have great ideas. Uh, I, I, you know, they, I think they need to let it rest. Super excited for Ewan McGregor coming back on, on TV as, uh, as Obi-Wan. That's a great move. Smart stuff like that. Um, and Cassie and Andor, it, it could sound cool. The problem is we know what happens to it. We know he's not going to die in the TV show. People, you know, he said, so he's going to survive all this. So I don't know what the point, are there stakes in this? I do like Diego Luna and uh, it's a great movie. So yeah, it's uh, I think it'll be, hopefully it should be Feige. I don't know why they let Ryan Johnson just do whatever he wanted. Kathleen Kennedy fires almost everyone else. And she just let Ryan Johnson do it. Yeah, go ahead. Do whatever you want. It's cool. Okay. And he did. And he basically J.J. Abrams retconned the retcon that he retconned oh, off of J.J. Oh, Abrams. Makes your head spin. It does. It does. And, you know, regardless of everybody's opinions out there of Rise of Skywalker, there's still a lot of things that can be done within the Star Wars universe in the next decade. So I'm hopeful, like you said, for some great things going on there. But I just want to ask this as we touch on something else after Star Wars. I mean, do you think Star Wars can be as viable a property as it once was, as vaunted or as special as it as you know, basically as it is to us. Yeah, can it be special once again to a younger audience or younger audiences? Because I'm beginning to see more and more apathy towards the Star Wars universe as these new releases get more and more, I guess, mediocre to disappointing, and you're just seeing the results of that. I mean, everybody's going Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda, but that's still. In essence, still a TV show. You can only do so much and expand yeah. so much with a TV show. Yeah. It's yeah. Ultimately, what happens on the big screen that can take the Star Wars universe into back to a realm where it was once before. I feel like they've still gotten to the kids, the the younger kids, the toy buying audience. You know, I see little girls dressed up as Ray and uh, a bunch of the characters. So you're gonna have that generation who just love this because of the age they were. Similar to how the kids growing up with the prequels kind of, you know, that that became their Star Wars. So there's always the generation at that age. This is your Star Wars. Now, they just have to. What I the other thing that I think makes it special is really the absence of Star Wars things. You got to let it breathe. Uh, you got to take it away and then give us something really good and then take it away. Now, the you know, with the, the Marvel comics they've been putting out have been fantastic. But of course, I don't think a lot of people read the comics. Jedi Fallen Order is one of the first games in years that I actually finished. I finished the game in years, and the story completely enthralled me. That's in canon. You got that awesome character and a bunch of characters in there. You could, I would love to see adventures about them. And, uh, you know, just give me, now that the Skywalker saga is over, I just need parallel adventures where occasionally they bump into stuff that happened in the main saga because it shouldn't be about Skywalker, but it's always kind of going to be around 
this whole story starting you know with uh phantom menace to rise of skywalker but just show me parallel parallel things on the side kind of like what the mandalorian is doing kind of like what rogue one did and battlefront 2 is now at the point now well, they added the rides. Yeah. Yeah. They added all the stuff in there and all the DLC and they took away a lot of the microtransactions. They took away a lot of the other stuff that got everybody in an uproar. And now it's the game it should have been two years ago. But yeah. Finally. I also think the parks, the theme parks, what Disney is doing with this, the, you know, their their mastery of animatronics and digital technology. Some of the videos I've seen of this rise of this resistance ride is unbelievable. It, I'm like, you're in a you're in a Star Destroyer. Like, how's, how are they doing this? Like, it looks so real and it looks so immersive. Uh, the tech is there. So I think the rides are going to help push them into the next decade and keep them, keep them in the spotlight. I hope it does. I hope it does. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. Once again, I'm speaking to Imran Javed of the Jock and Nerd Podcast. You can catch it today everywhere you get your podcast. And I mean it, you need to get it because it is an outstanding show indeed. Very funny, always current, and it's just a great to listen to every time I listen Aww, to it. Thanks. It is the... Well, you know, what can I say? It's a jock and nerd podcast today. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. But you mentioned video games. You mentioned other pop culture entertainment that you and I both delve into on quite occasion. I want to know your thoughts on with a new Xbox coming around, Xbox Series X, which looks like my subwoofer. Well, yeah, it's and, giant, right? It's like a big computer almost. So I want to know where your thoughts on the video game industry, where it goes, and do you think PlayStation will still maintain its dominance like it did in this current generation? You know, I'm not a huge gamer. I was back in the day. You know how you go through stages? Like, I was the guy that was always, I would buy everything Nintendo put out for a long time. But I had an Odyssey 2000. I don't know if you heard about the Odyssey. I had two versions. One that just had dials for Pong. One that had the, the thing you snapped on. It was extra, and it would talk. Like, you could type out where, and the computer would talk. And so, and then I had the original Nintendo, Sega. I kind of dropped out after the first Xbox. Uh, and then I came back in with the PS4 because of Spider-Man, because I kept hearing about this game. And, uh, you know, because of my podcast, the most amazing thing happened. I, a listener, I'm not kidding you. Everyone needs an Uber listener. A listener got me on PlayStation and the Spider-Man game. And wow. he's one of our patrons. He's one of our top patrons, one of our best listeners. Uh, and I couldn't be more thankful. It blew me away. So I've been... Loving that Spider-Man game. But it's funny you mentioned VR because that's what I actually, I was going to get the Sony PSVR. I felt like this is the future. I, you know, go to these comic book conventions and there's always a VR setup. Uh, and there's always like people playing the VR games. And uh, they, they, they look like a lot of fun. And, you know, with PlayStation VR being so affordable, I was surprised at how kind of affordable and plug and play it is. Uh, and this could be, uh, some kind of you know black like Black Mirror. It's like a new the next Black Mirror thing where you're in the game. Bandersnatch. Yeah, Bandersnatch or that one where they're in the fighting game. That was very did not think it would go that way. Uh, but I was thinking VR, fully immersive VR, 
uh, is eventually going to get better and smaller and lighter. But Gerald, you're saying the problem is that maybe the headsets are a little bulky. Maybe it's a little hard to get into. It, it is because it's intimidating, I think, to the general user at large. And I think that's why it hasn't really sold the way it has or the way it should be or the way it needs to in order to become a, a definitive part of this marketplace. Plus some of the other units that are not PlayStation VR, they're still high priced. I mean, you've got yeah. Valve at, still at what four, five, six hundred dollars for its units, and you've got other ones that are right around that same price that nobody's really going to invest into because they want affordability and value for their money. And there's still the stigma of, oh, I'm going to get a headache after a point of time, yeah, uh, or I'm still going to get motion sickness. All these stigmas are still attached to VR. I think it's going to be hard or you know, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I think it needs to be packaged in a way that people need to go ahead and be more into it. I think that augmented reality, and this is something ah. I, I remarked uh, you know, way back when, when I was uh, covering CESs every year, and I still am, and I'm fortunate to do so, that Microsoft had something where you would walk into a room and it would go ahead and just basically you could shape it the way you want to you know like like you would go into like the, a holodeck you know, on star like trek holodeck. yeah like, like a holodeck. yeah they had something like a prototype wow. of that that they were that they were playing with and they just did it right you know cut it right there so no glasses needed no no glasses needed you wow. would just walk into it and it's be something like that and they've they've toyed with it before and they've actually shown it off at e3 but it's something that i think that is still on the way i mean there obviously there's 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 barriers to reason why they can't go ahead and mass market such a product. But I think if that's the future, if you wanted to go ahead and, and invest in some type of reality, I think that's where it has to go. Because like you said, you have to put on the glasses, you have yeah, to get the yeah. earphones, you have, you have to, you know, do I need controllers? The yeah. whole nine yards. So the immersiveness, while you think you have it, it's still, you're asking somebody, am I got this right? If I got this right? So I, I think something more immersive in a beneficial way without all the the devices may be the way to go. And probably won't see it till at the very least the end of this decade. I wonder if we ever get to, do you think we'll ever get to 3D movies that don't require any kind of glasses? I believe we will. Uh, I know they've, they've tried to go ahead and show that off at, see, you see all this stuff at CES from time to time, prototypes yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. And I think at some point in time, you will see something mass marketed that will try to recreate a 3D. But again, 3D, you know, is, is that going to sell? Is, is yeah. that something, you know, it's something that people liked it as a niche, but not everybody seems to enjoy it. So with AR, do you mean like I've noticed that in the App Store, they got those new AR games, right? Where you, you, you pointed at a surface and there's a whole tank battle going on. It looks amazing. It's just like the holograms from Star, like the Star Wars hologram game. Uh, more stuff like that that just requires a screen. Uh, yeah, you just really need a screen to look through. That's what I'm. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, you, or you enter an area where you've got screens all you've around screens your side. Projecting. Yes. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like fun. That's a lot better. Yeah, the the VR is just. It's got to be super easy to get into, and actually feel like you're there. You know, without wearing anything. That's amazing. I want to see that. Where is that? <laughs> I don't know, but if you and I could patent it, we'd make a, a billion dollars. I tell yeah. you right now, and and we if we could sell it at an affordable price. But I think that's also probably the the catch twenty two. There is, can you get people to go ahead and buy into it? And with first and and you as you and I know, 
when the first thing that it comes down to when people make these decisions, it's ultimately price. I still want that PlayStation VR because I was I watched a bunch of videos and I was, you know, it's kind of interesting how PlayStation's move was making it lightweight, less expensive, easy to use. And I'm like, wow, I just need this in the camera. I'm kind of in there. Now they know they mentioned there's a lot of cords and there's several cords. The box, the headset itself needs a power supply. Then you got to plug several things into the computer, coming back out. To, I was like, wow, okay, that's a lot of cables. So when you're moving around, you're feeling cables. Um, I don't know, but I just, I kind of want to be able to sit on my couch and just play a platform game and be looking around and around stuff, sitting there. Like the idea, that's really cool. I have not yet tried it, but uh, I can't pull the trigger uh, quite for the bundle. So or I don't go, know. Or go for the Darth Vader game or. Yeah. Or there, Skyrim I, there's gonna, yeah, there's going to be an Iron Man game. There's a Batman game where you're Batman and you go into the cave. So I would you recommend that at least PlayStation VR? Joe, I would. Yeah, game? I mean, because it's an easy price point to get into. I mean, yeah. I've seen as low as what, $199 for wow. a package deal. Yeah, for, I think that's with five games. That was sold over the holidays as a package price at $199. And I imagine you probably go ahead if you're able to search around or whatnot, you may still be able to find it at that price because you know, you know, these retailers want to get rid of stuff that didn't sell over the holidays. But I, I think it is something that if people are interested in get to as a test, they should invest in that over maybe something much more expensive that they may not be happy with. I mean, at that point, that's that's great. But I know ultimately it's it's going to be another gimmicky thing that will join my PlayStation Wii board and my Dance Dance Revolution pads and my Guitar Hero guitars in the closet. And I never play again. That's what I'm afraid of. One of my uh, friends, uh, and actually also is a sponsor of the show, Retro City Games, you go in their stores, especially their store here on, in the suburb of Las Vegas in Henderson, and you could see at times a stack of the Wii uh, fitness boards. Yes. Just right there. Yes, <laughs> almost, like a, those. almost as tall as me, as six foot two. So it's so funny to at see. At the time, it seemed like a good, yeah, I could do push-ups on these. I'll yes. step up and down with the little me. And then after two days, I'm like, this is, what am I doing? Just put it away. I loved, used to love Dance Dance Revolution. You want a workout. That is a legit workout. You could lose hundreds of pounds sweating on that. I have like four pads. But even that, after a while, you're like, uh, I fell for this gimmick. Oh, well. They're right alongside all the Guitar Hero and yeah. Rock Band guitar. And the Rock Band kids, yes. Exactly. You know, if it wasn't for Rock Band Mike, many people wouldn't have started a podcast. So there's always that. This is true. This is true. And I'm so glad for that because without it, we wouldn't even be here today. Your show wouldn't be around. My shows wouldn't be around. So it's definitely great to see and also hear as well. But before we go ahead, I want to hear more about from you about the Jock and Nerd podcast. I want to hear any last thoughts on the, the decade ahead for pop culture. Some things you're excited about, you know, from wherever it is. Oh, boy. I mean, there's uh, it's uh, there's a lot that, you know, our i'm mumbling i don't really know where to go i'm thinking about like my comic book actual print comic books and uh the kind of up and down sales they've seen in in the past and now the fact that kevin feige like controls even like the comic book publishing and he controls everything uh i'm always like uh, will they will will print books be a thing of the past at some point you know i have the dc universe app and i kind of sometimes pull it up and i'll read comic books on my tv which is kind of cool. And on an iPad uh, with the backlit, it's a great experience. The problem for me is they are $4 a pop now. 
making it really hard to keep up week to week with things. So I wonder what what mediums will die off. You know, finally, we'll go the way of the eight track or cassettes. Man, these kids don't even know what VHS tapes are anymore. Nope, nope. Or Betamax or anything yeah. of that nature. I mean, magazines, newspapers, comic books, anything at that time. And books, like you mentioned, yeah. all those are in jeopardy of, by the end of this decade, having real issues, as we've seen already in the past decade, that the industries for each of them have gone down. A number of magazines have folded, a number of newspapers have closed. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen this trend continue. And I think we will... And retail retailers, you know, retailers yeah. as a whole. I mean, everybody was saddened with Toys R Us and and how that and Blockbuster and all these other entities that were so familiar to us in previous decades. Those entities will probably even more so in the future. Those memories and those retailers that that brought us so many good things in our lives. Those will be going by the wayside by the end of the decade as well. I feel like you got to cherish your physical media right now while you can uh, and treat it well. And display it because one day a kid's gonna come up there and point to a comic book, and be like, "They printed those on paper? That's weird. Why would they do that?" Exactly, exactly. What's that? Yes, I mean, I showed a VHS tape to some guy. They're like, "What's that black rectangle with the white circles in it?" I'm like, "You're kidding me, right, man?" Uh, but we don't need them, you know. Of course, I think you know. I work with computers and design storage media, constantly changing. You know, we have archive files on you know, like jazz drives and zip drives and formats that I can't even get to. So who knows? Everything is just more digital, obviously, uh, leaving us to be more more uh, tied to our, our desktops and our computers and our screens. Not going outside. Nope, not going outside at all. <laughs> We're all going to need a tan at some point in time. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, it's great to speak to you again. It is Imran Javid from the Jock and Nerd podcast. But before we head on out, my friend, I've said great things about the show. But you got to go ahead and tell everybody out there why everybody needs to check out your awesome show, The Jock and Nerd Podcast. I'll try to say great things. Thank you, Gerald, for having me. This is a blast. You are a man of my heart. We love talking about the same stuff. Uh, listener, just visit jockandnerd.com, search Jock and Nerd Podcast. The show consists of three hosts, me, uh, a Gen X, old school Gen Xer, a uh, millennial, uh, who, and, and a grumpy old puppet named Rugboy. Uh, Anthony is the jock and the rug boy is our, our color there. So, you know, you may ask, why is there a puppet on a podcast? And I will ask you, why aren't there more puppets on podcasts? Let's not be feltist here. They have rights. They have feelings. But we love to uh, discuss comic book superhero TVs. We review TV series, uh, superhero movies. Um, uh, we have a uh, great series called WTF Happened where a buddy of ours, Matt Delhauer, will bring, will take a look at a comic book bomb of a movie, and he will, it's the most sarcastic audio book you've ever heard, break down the movie, and then dive into what happened to this movie, why was it a bomb, uh, and uh, we do a lot of Patreon movie reviews, where in which our patrons will force us to watch anything, and I mean anything, and we have to watch and review it, uh, oftentimes leading to some hilarious reviews. So we have new shows every Sunday, and you can find us wherever you can find podcasts. Gerald, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be on Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, it's great to have you here. And it, like I said, this was way overdue, but we will make sure the next time it is a lot sooner than that because it was awesome having you here describing your thoughts in the realm of pop culture coming up for the next decade. I mean, as a pop culture guru, 
Bill. You know, where, it's just, where, oh, exactly. Yeah. We got to get you on our show too, Gerald. You will have a lot of fun. Uh, uh, I would, I've heard the show, like I said, quite a there few occasions, and yeah. I would love to be a part of it. And again, the, the door is always open for you here. I cannot thank you enough. And to you and your family, I want a blessed 2020 and also as well an incredible decade for you ahead and also for the show as well. Absolutely. Thank you. You too. Hashtag pot and family. Once again, it is Imran Javed from the Jock and Nerd podcast. Catch it today wherever you can get your podcast. It's just so great to have you here talking about the future of pop culture this decade right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos.